This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Here we are now bringing you the Knowledge Bank because it is a Tuesday on Power Talk at Power 98.7, which means it's a day for us to delve into some intellectual gymnastics, do the things that we do best and do the most uh, when we have these sessions on the Knowledge Bank. Now, today, we are looking at a book chapter. That book chapter's title is In Whose Interest Is It Anyway? with a subtopic, an analysis of the content, discourse, and programming strategies of South African business radio shows. This chapter is in a volume, a book really, uh, that is titled Radio, Public Life, and Citizen Deliberation in South Africa. Quite a number of parts and number of chapters in that book interrogating all issues around radio, uh, you know, public participation, I suppose, the democratization of discourse and where we are on this one, two authors, lead authors, Sisanda Ngwala and, and then her co-author, Trust Matsilile, uh, looked into this matter. In whose interest is it anyway? And Sisanda, who is an academic at the Cape Peninsula University of Technology uh, in the media department in the journalism program, is going to join me on the line to be part of this conversation. And as I talk to her, uh, and as I talk uh, to Sisanda, you will actually be able to dial in on 0861-987-000. Sisanda, good morning. Welcome to Power Talk. Good morning, Kanye. Thank you so much. Thank you for making the time to be with us this morning. I mean, I've read uh, this paper, quite an interesting uh, paper. Uh, can you just probably, before we delve into the issues you raise in the paper, tell us what motivated you to actually do this chapter, particularly focusing on business radio shows? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think you would definitely find it interesting because this is the space that you are in. Yeah. Um, but I think with with the influence of radio, and I think you'll appreciate this, and, and, and just how a massive a medium it is in our context, it's important, we felt, to look at what kinds of conversations are happening on the radio. Who is participating? What are they talking about? And more specifically, when it comes to economic matters, we felt that um, we often discuss political discourse in our country, but we haven't looked at the discussions around economic matters, which um, we actually are of the view are probably more important because economic matters are literally our bread and butter. So we, we thought to add to the research gap, but also add to just the public knowledge gap on what is happening on radio, on economic shows, because that has an implication of how we understand um, what is happening with with our money, what is happening um, with the decisions being made by Treasury, and and all of those dynamics. So we we came together, my colleague, Dr. Trust Matsilele and I, with two um, strengths. So my strength really is around um, media and discourse, and he brings in the economic aspects mm. as well as the political um, aspects for the analysis. Now, let's get into it. I mean, uh, you then chose 
three business shows, really. Um, Cape mm-hmm. Talk and Radio 702 and uh, Power FM's uh, radio show and SAFM's radio show. What was the uh, re- reason behind uh, these decisions? So we, we looked at the three, um, media, three English medium talk radio stations. Specifically because, firstly, uh, these three stations are the ones that actually have um, radio shows dedicated to economic or business news, so to speak, and Mm. business shows. So other stations have a segment, like a five-minute segment or or, or that kind of of feature, whereas these shows, uh, these stations have a dedicated business show. Secondly, we also uh, we decided to focus on talk radio because of the kinds of conversations that happen on talk radio. Listeners can call in and share their views. You are often bringing in experts on these matters. So talk radio really occupies a certain place when it comes to citizen deliberations. And we felt considering a music station would, would dilute the kind of engagement we want to consider. And we specifically chose English medium because literally that is the conversation in which economic matters are being held. I think that's, that's a gap for probably future research um, to look at how do conversations around economic matters happen in indigenous language media, but we didn't look at that. We focused just on the three um, English medium stations that are talk because of the place they occupy in our deliberations as a society. I mean, and I suppose uh, you were also looking at the figures around listenership and engagement, uh, but now let's talk about the the, the theoretical framework you opted to use for this social responsibility theory. Why was it relevant for this particular paper and indeed when you are looking at media which has such responsibility to society? So social responsibility theory, we felt, um, is, is the, the lens that will allow us to look at whether these radio stations' business sh- shows are um, behaving, and I put behaving in inverted commas, in a socially responsible way. So yes, like you you rightly say, there are many lenses we could have used. We could have used um, feminist theory and looked at the representation of women, etc. But we chose this one to look at in how these uh, programs are featuring people and um, the content they are featuring. Does it really enhance um, society uh, and, and provide citizens with diverse sources of information? Does it give us different opinions and attitudes? And does it help us shape our goals as a society collectively? So that, this theory um, is, 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 is broad enough because it has five aspects, if I can just talk you yeah. through them. Firstly, we, we look at whether a media entity's programs are truthful, comprehensive, and intelligent, right? Mm. So that does it produce content that people can understand? Secondly, does it provide a forum for the exchange of comments? Or is it just one group of people speaking to the rest of us? Thirdly, does it provide a means of projecting the opinions of different groups of society to one another? So Mm. are we mainly hearing from business or does civil society and labor also have a role to play? The fourth looks at the clarification of the goals of society. And then the fifth one looks at a way of reaching every member of society through the information that these um, programs have. So it allowed us to really 
delve deeply and 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 quite thoroughly we feel into whether these um, radio programs would would fit into what social responsibility theory advocates the media's role to be. I mean, Sasanda, you did say earlier on your strength being partly, you know, the discourse, the media discourse space. I, I took keen interest when I saw that point for clarifying society's goals and values. I mean, no doubt you appreciate how contentious these can be, especially in a society such as ours. What should be the guiding light? And I don't necessarily uh, pick it out from that paper, but I'll take the advantage of you still being engaged in academia. What should be the guiding light for the media in attending to this clarification of goals and values? Whose goals and whose values should preoccupy the media when it delivers these type of shows? And that is an excellent question. And I think the, the three preceding um, facets of social responsibility theory, namely the truthfulness, the comprehensiveness, etc., speak to the fact, and, and this is where the, the, as a media scholar I would come in to say, it, it cannot be one view, mm. right? I can't say it should be um, the, the view of the youth or the view of the employed. Media needs to bring all the voices in and allow all of them to participate in clarifying their own values as a society. So if we take business programs as an example, if we are only hearing from, let's say, business, right, and and people in in the corporate sector. Our values as a society on economic matters will be around being profitable and, um, you know, making business work. Whereas if we bring in labor, the values will be around employment conditions. If you bring in civil society, they bring in a different perspective, etc. So these shows are supposed to feature all of these voices so that a listener can clarify for themselves what the values are. And, and in, in that way, you know, they, it's not one voice um, speaking to us. So what we find in the paper, for example, is the dominance of the voice of business analysts, yep. the dominance of the voice of captains of industry, means that we, the, the, the value that we would assume to have in society is one that is very capitalist and one that is about profit and making business work for the sake of, of business. Sander, I'm going to come back to your findings. Ne? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm going to try and just move with the paper as it has been written uh, because okay. I did find some of your findings quite interesting. I mean, no listener engagement in one of the stations at all in the month period. And I think it's important to uh, just put it out for the listener that this study was um, across a month, uh, 9 March 2019 uh, to 9 April 2019. And it was about 100 uh, shows uh, you'll correct me, um, Susanna will get to that point on the methodology section, but it was over a month period and um, 100 distinct segments across the three stations were in actual fact identified. 36 from the Money Show uh, on 702, 41 from the Power Business here on Power 98.7 and 23 from SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Now, Susanna, in that paper, because I want us to follow on this discourse issue and and, and, and how we are, where we spotlight the, the issues, you also go back 
to a former president. He was deputy president at the time he made the speech in 1998 in a nation-building uh, uh, debate in parliament where he spoke mm-hmm. about the two nations in one. Um, this one economy that's very rich and, you know, suburban, this one economy uh, very poor, very much in the in the townships and so on, which led to some people saying he was making racist remarks because he mm-hmm. characterized one, the rich one, as very white and the poor one as, as, as predominantly very black. When you are raising that issue in 2021 and we haven't moved so much on these questions of income inequality, wealth disparities across race and class lines, where should then a a business show particularly or even a talk show like the one you are on now position itself mindful of those very disparities? I think it should position itself firstly as a mediator or or a channel rather where different voices that represent the two worlds can speak to each other. So if you look at who is featured on um, talk radio in general, but this niche area of business news, it's a certain group and it's 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 a certain segment of the population that falls on the other side of the railway tracks, as we, we say colloquially. Um, so if, if it's just that one aspect, and we're only hearing from that one voice, mm. we can't move forward because the reality of the other side is not acknowledged, and we don't understand um, the challenges from their perspective. So, for example, when you talk about the change in repo rate, Yes, there's a need to bring in an analyst to explain to us what it means. But there's also a need to bring in other voices to talk about what does it mean from their perspective and where they are about how their lives will change or how their lives have changed. Mm. If we just hear that it's, it's good for the market or bad for the market, yes, the market is, is, a, is an important aspect, but is it good for labor or bad for labor? Mm. Is it good for civil society or bad for civil society? And unless those voices are coming through, it will continue to be a, a world of two economies where business shows acknowledge the one segment and complete, not completely, but largely and exclude and don't involve the other segment. Now, then you mediate that with the type of listenership that you have. Sisanda, you acknowledge uh, somewhere in the paper early on that uh, these business shows tend to have a very niche audience of people, uh, whether you're looking at their education levels, uh, their professionals, and so on. Um, how do you then, uh, given that you know the call-in phenomenon should be democratizing the conversation, we'll get to the point where you talk about you know it wasn't really happening in some shows. Um, mm-hmm. How how do you handle that tension between what you ought to be doing at a you know op- optimal level and then the type of listenership that you think you have as mm-hmm. a show? How do you mediate that? And, and and while this is outside of of the scope of this particular no, day, of, of course I'm a, just taking advantage yes. of you being here. <laughs> no, and I'm and I'm glad to speak on it because we we haven't even had a chance to to expound on it in the paper. But I am of the view that um, media, um, the the listenership is based on the content, and and not the other way around. So people will move 
to where the content they think they are interested in is yeah. aired. And obviously stations try and define themselves based on who they think they, they want to appeal to. But if, if we look at, at business shows, if we want people of, uh, who don't fall into the traditional le- uh, listenership, educated and a, a certain um, uh, earning potential, etc., mm. we need to have content that speaks to um, the, the, the listeners we want to attract. So that would be the first thing. Yeah. The second thing, and this is also a, a little bit outside the scope, but we need to, to uh, have business shows in stations that speak uh, that broadcast in different languages other than English, yeah. because you're going to attract a certain kind of listener there that will open up the space for deliberation even more than what is currently happening. So I, I don't think it it, it is um, stations maybe playing it safe to say, oh, well, our listeners want this, but you're you're you can change your listenership by changing your content, and we've yeah. seen stations do it in other respects. So they can certainly do it with business radio programs. Now let us delve to the one matter before you come to your methodology. You speak about the problematique of jargon, something that academics are famously uh, derided over, that you're speaking to yourselves. You use language that is inaccessible. How important is, you know, the the use of language, particularly when you talk on business shows and in the paper you write that much of the content is about reporting on financial results or, you know, uh, market updates, the performance of certain entities and so on. And that type of work is usually laden with a lot of industry jargon. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is, is, is critical because there isn't just one way to talk about economic matters. And economic matters are not the preserve of people who know the jargon. We live these economic matters on a daily basis. When you go to the shop and you see the price of bread has changed, you are living these economic matters. So when, when radio stations use jargon, it's A, probably because of who they invite on, B, probably because they think their listeners speak like that, and so they want to to emulate and, and like you were saying, um, speak to to the listenership. But it's not because there is no other way to have these conversations, mm. and and it's 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 a matter of thinking about who do you want to involve in this conversation as a socially responsible media platform. Who would you like to engage with? And if you're using jargon, we do it in academia as well. Yeah. And we speak to ourselves and because we want to speak to ourselves until someone challenges us and says, but if you're having these conversations and they affect people on the street, why are you not having them in language? And this is not to say dumbing down the ideas, but just change the language so that it is more inclusive and articulates people's reality. Now, Susanna, quickly. Your methodology, walk us through that, and then you categorized uh, the issues that you found to be dominant subjects. Uh, Can you just talk us through that? Okay, so like you mentioned earlier, this study was done over the period of, of a month in 2019, and we specifically chose a month so that we could do depth of analysis. So we haven't gone for breadth in the study, namely covering a year or two years so that we could really delve into the discourse. And in that period, we looked, like we mentioned, at the three um, radio stations, Power, 
SAFM as well as 702 and Cape Talk. And we looked at the business shows. And in the shows, they have got different features. Some shows have more features than others because they are longer. We excluded news content and sport and weather and those yeah. traffic kind of things and just looked at the conversations the anchor was having with people. And so when we removed all of the, the other features, we came down to 100 segments. And there we then looked at two aspects. Who is speaking? And we drilled it down to several categories, such as analysts. We had a lot of interviews with business owners, captains of industries, callers, media professionals, people from labor. And from that, we also looked at what they were talking about. So what was the content featured on these shows? And there we saw things like discussions, profiles, where they had profiles of um, some business people. They spoke about developments in the market, reports that were issued, and um, informative features like how to manage your money, etc. So from that, we then um, did the content analysis. We also did interviews with uh, people involved in these programs, not Mm. the presenters, but the people who put the content together, so the producers, to get them to explain and expound on what was happening with the content. Because we, we thought, obviously, we will, we will come to some findings, but it's worth hearing from them what their thinking is so that we can understand the findings um, better. Okay. This is very, very interesting and fascinating stuff uh, for me, uh, Sisanda. We are going to go to the lines I already see on 0861-987-000. We do have uh, people lined up to ask a question or put their thought to you. Uh, but before we do that, it's going to be news headlines. So I want to also, uh, Sisanda, leave you with a few uh, questions. I do want us to delve into your findings, particularly on subject matter, as to what exactly occupied your figure to uh, the content analysis that you did. What exactly occupied uh, the different uh, shows? And uh, insofar as who is engaging, I will also take the liberty to gloat. Unfortunately, you are on Power 98.7 and you did look at our business show uh, during that period of 2019. So I'll take the liberty to gloat that while others didn't have callers, we did have callers, but there's an interesting caveat to that in how the calls at times are queued into a conversation, whether it allows us to speak with each other or speak at each other. Just hold on onto the line, Sisanda. It is time for news with Thomas White. Power Talk with Luke Hollandu. Call Lukona on 0861-987-000. And do tweet me at Lukona Mguni, hashtag Power Talk. This is the Knowledge Bank on this particular Tuesday. And the title of the book chapter we are looking at is In Whose Interest Is It Anyway? This is a study that was looking at three business shows across three radio stations in the country. My guest is Sisanda Ngwala, lecturer, media department, journalism program at the CPUT in Cape Town. Uh, Sasan, I'm just going to ask you to hold and listen in uh, on zero eight on on our line there zero eight six one nine eight seven triple zero. I have Lorado Tinking. Good morning, Lorado. Good morning, Lucona, and good morning, Sasanda. Thank you so much for an exciting uh, discussion, uh, Sasanda. So, so I'm interested in one or two things. Right, the first one is 
uh, and unfortunately, I've not had the benefit of reading the paper yet, yeah. right? And, and I would wish to, to really go through it. But to, to what extent uh, did you see the role of the, the, the show host to directing some of these things that you raised? As an example, you know, the choice of guests, the choice of analysts, the choice of topics, how they treated the content itself. And I'll give you an example. And again, uh, pardon me that I'm using a Power FM, right? I know the study was looking at three three stations. So uh, Ayabong Atawe, when he was still the host, he, we, he's a development uh, economist, right? And even his general disposition was such that, you know, he would, for instance, bring in a lot of labor-related issues. I remember the one case study was when the Heineken uh, uh, laborers had uh, had a problem in in, in Firenacheng. He brought them in. He brought in Heineken. He brought and, and the matter was resolved as a result of his intervention, or at least part of of his intervention, right? So I want to find out if you went into uh, that in in the study. But secondly, uh, one of the things that bothered me about South African uh, media landscape, particularly the financial journalism, is that there aren't enough women in the space, right? From a a con- contributor's point of view, were you able to 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 see how many women contributors are there, whether it's analysts or even even as as guests from a business perspective? And I'll stop there, Lucon. Thank you very much, uh, Lorato. And I know that uh, Sisanda, you did touch on the paper on the production um, chain, sort of of these shows. Let me go to Temba in Midrand. Good morning. Welcome to Power Talk. Hi, how are you guys? Fantastic. How are you? Good. I just want to say great work. Uh, I really think this is excellent, right? Because I really think most of the times we get misformed in terms of what's happening in industries. Like, let's look at the the first industrial revolution. You'll find companies that sponsor shows coming in to speak to to, to their product, as in there's something that is... That is there to inform about a certain economical factor or system, but they're speaking to the product, and you, they also be part of the monopoly because you find some company getting a tender from from the government and speaking to the to. Ah, Temba, I think that line just uh, left us. But Susanna, I think the the key issue mm-hmm. that Temba is raising is maybe on people who pay for space to actually come in and have mm-hmm. a conversation. And uh, the listener wouldn't know of that, but uh, the client would know of that. So, yeah, that those questions, mm-hmm. Temba and Lorado. Okay. Thank you very much. And thank you for the input, because I think as much as they are questions, they also make very important commentary. So the, the, the first caller's question, no, we didn't um, consider the role of the host, although um, I think for, for a future study, that's definitely something worth doing and seeing if we can interview the host uh, to get their perspective, because the producer obviously has a perspective and has mm. a role. But as the caller rightly mentioned, who the host is, is central to where the show goes. Um, so, Sasanda, just on that point, just for clarity, because mm-hmm. in the paper you you do have verbatim um, uh, quotes of people who you say they are interviewees. So, mm-hmm. uh, would these the, these interviewees were not necessarily the hosts of the shows? 
they were definitely not the hosts. Okay. There were people involved in the production of the show. Okay, okay. Yes, okay. he did not speak to the host. Okay. And 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 because you know the 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 idea was to understand the production practices. Mm. Uh, but like the caller mentioned, the the host is is really central to those. So that I think is definitely an area for future study. But on those on that production, Sisanda, what did you find out? I mean, when you spoke to the people, because they the the people who are part of the production process are very instrumental in what I call the sifting exercise. Yes. What comes in, what doesn't. So so how we approached the, the people involved in production was we first did a little bit of the content analysis and then we asked them around these five themes of social responsibility. What they what they've put in place in the shows to facilitate um, socially responsible media. So we would, we would ask them, for example, in what ways they uh, try and mitigate against the jargon in the show. Mm. And then they would speak to that aspect. In what ways they try and get different voices and they would speak to, to the different aspects. So I think when we talk about the findings, their voice uh, maybe can come through a little bit uh, clearer and I can expound a little bit more on what they had to say yeah. because it's different from show to show. Absolutely. Then, then in terms of women in, in the space, we didn't analyze for gender at all. We, we looked at the content and the roles that people were playing because social responsibility, well, actually for future study, I think as well, it, it would be worthwhile to, to bring in a voice to say in the people who are speaking, not only what roles do they play, but is it, is it women, is it men, and how does that change or shape the narrative? Yeah. I think... I wouldn't completely agree that I think the women missing in the space isn't because they aren't women. They are very esteemed um, analysts in, 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 a, in a lot of entities that are women. However, and this didn't come through in the paper, but as someone who listens to talk radio a lot, we, I think the, the, the production practice is to speak to people you know. So if you've heard someone, yeah. you're likely to call them again, which means that new voices don't get a chance. And I think that is where the gap with women comes in, in that because they haven't been heard before, they do not necessarily get a platform. But there are many brilliant people that can speak to economic matters um, that, that are women. Then the last point from the second yeah. caller around company sponsoring shows. Look, I'm of the view that radio stations need to make money. And a part of that is to have sponsored content. Mm. Where I think there is a gap is in making sure that the voice of whoever um, is speaking in the sponsored feature is countered by a differing perspective. And I think that's the essence of the paper as a whole. So if somebody sponsors a feature on artificial intelligence, etc., somebody needs to be brought in to say, this is a different perspective on the issue. And maybe the, the station may be worried that they'll chase advertisers away, which is, which is a possibility. But on the other hand, if you're thinking of being socially responsible, you do want to bring in as many different voices as possible. So I think, yes, have, have, these, have these sponsored features because that is how you generate an income, but also then have other voices that will critique 
what the sponsored features say. Mm. So you're not actually engaging um, in a one-way narrative. Uh, a monologue of sorts. And talking about narratives yeah. in the paper, one of your interviewees actually spoke about, you know, there would be certain economists who are pushing a, a certain ideological orientation and they've had to think uh, quite critically on, you know, expanding the pool of voices that they bring mm-hmm. onto these shows. I mean, Lorado is 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 explicitly calling Ayabong Atawe a developmental economist because uh, yeah. he's deemed uh, one of the unorthodox voices that are not many uh, when you have to counter orthodox economist voices that push, uh, you know, market fundamentalism and so on. Um, I suppose then, Sisanda, the question is what is it that consciously uh, should be done to mine new voices i've always wondered you know uh, actually i did a questionnaire and i never circulated it to ask producers and 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 presenters how do you go about selecting the voices that you want on a how should Mm. they go about doing that that is is a, a very interesting question and one that I will say stumps me somewhat um, and, and, and we can give it further thought, I think, with colleagues here in the department. Yeah. But I think at a, at a first glance, or at a, at a sort of speaking off of my head, one way would be to look wider um, than, than what you are seeing on other media platforms because that tends to be the case. If you have heard one... Um, uh, constitutional experts on another station, you are likely to call them up. So, mm. especially if in academia, it's, it's very easy. <laughs> you you literally find a department and yeah. you can find someone who's an expert on anything. Maybe think of, of uh, civil society as well. You get different NGOs and they are experts as well because they deal with communities on the ground. So they can bring that um, level of understanding um, that that wouldn't be possible. Uh, so those would be my two suggestions at the top of my head. But I think please do issue that questionnaire because you would add <laughs> invaluably to our understanding. I'll, of I'll, I'll probably try and bounce it off with you as well, <laughs> Ofe, um, once we are done. Because, I mean, it's, it's a bit dated now since the time I was um, uh, uh, writing it. But, Susanna, let's talk about the issue of democratizing the conversation mm-hmm. where listener engagement comes in people dialing into um, the, 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 the different shows. That is one way, which what, what you call the call-in phenomenon, uh, is one way of making sure that it's not just the dominant voices that have been selected to come through. But what are your findings on that? Because they were quite shocking that in a month, in one of the business shows, there wasn't a single caller. Yes. So look, I think, and that was one of the reasons we looked at talk radio, because of this concept of dial-in democracy that it facilitates better than other kinds of of radio um, stations. And I think there are various reasons for why in some stations you wouldn't have um, callers. So, for example, in the one station, it sounds like the show is pre-produced and may not be live, at least Mm. at the time we were listening which means obviously then there can be no caller interaction because there are no callers at the time it's being recorded. Um, In in other stations, while there are callers, the callers do not get to interact with guests directly on business shows. So unlike your um, the, 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 the other radio uh, shows where callers can ask guests and speak back to guests, etc. In these shows, the callers call in um, maybe after a guest has been featured and they just make general comments. Mm. 
um, and they don't get to critique the idea. I mean, can you imagine? Because that's the point, I think, of talk radio. Somebody calling in when the CEO of a big JSE-listed company is on and challenging them and saying, look, you've made X profit, but you've retrenched Y workers. What is that about? Then you bring in the accountability and people get a voice in the narrative that they currently don't get. So I think this area of callers is very important in this space where radio is often the only platform people have to challenge people in economically powerful positions. So when you exclude callers, you prevent that interchange from happening. And I think that may defeat that dial-in democracy um, phenomenon that talk radio is supposed to facilitate. On that note, Sisanda, let me remind my listeners then that the line is open <laughs> while you are here <laughs> on 0861-987-000 so that uh, they don't say, is Sisanda still there? And I say, well, uh, she's just gone now. And they say, no, but I wanted her to hear the comment because... I want her to hear it and that's exactly what uh, one of uh, the the conversations you lifted uh, from a business show here at home actually uh, was saying where caller called in after a guest had left but I mean I think it is significant to tell our listeners that callers were the third most frequently featured contributors to the power business show whereas only one featured on the other show and none featured on the other show i won't call them by name when you read this paper you will see which those were so uh, that would say at a a glance there's something good happening there sisana if your third biggest contributors are people who are not you know prepped are people who are not necessarily vested um you, you you can never know whether i mean some callers are sympathetic to the subject or not you, you can do as much screening as you can but you can't guarantee uh but it, it should it should count for something that you are able to have those callers and i mean i saw also how you concluded the paper i thought mm, Susanna, a little unfair uh, maybe you should have just called out those who are problematic uh because there's where you say it's almost like captains of industry you know have a mm. voice i mean in one business show they have the second uh, biggest voice whereas uh, in in the power business the small and medium business owners actually had the second biggest voice after the analysts on economic matters when you separate this and as you were listening for a month to these shows is the discourse of captains of industry different from the discourse of small and medium-sized business owners Yes, and it's it's different because when captains of industry are brought onto these programs, they are brought in in a sort of an expert role. And many, or not many, but in the instances that we we considered, they are called upon to make pronouncements about where things are headed in the country economically. No. Whereas when business owners are brought on, it's normally in a profile context where they speak about their experiences, their journey, not really speaking to economic developments and saying this is where things are headed, yeah. etc. So captains of industry definitely enjoy esteem and a little more power than all the other actors because in, 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 in the time period that we considered, it was shortly before the elections, the 2019 elections, And some of them were asked, what do you think should happen economically um, and politically for the market's sake? So what would be a positive outcome of the elections for the market? And there they would then articulate their preference 
But in being able to, to, to do that, they are now, you know, dictate, not dictating, but suggesting that their personal view is, 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 is um, uh, an economically founded view. And that wouldn't happen to other players that, or contributors. Um, so I think there's definitely a disparity in the power that um, is afforded to, to captains of industry. One of the things I've always wondered, I mean, I try to listen as much as I can, Sasanda, but you certainly uh, listened with greater intention. When you listen to these shows, do you find that they are trying to solve something um, in society? And I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking. I'm trying to find that tweet uh, that was sent to me recently by Jabusi Tode saying, business shows, in my view, are pro-capital. They're a platform that seems to celebrate parties who maintain inequalities and pro-profits. The other pro-social people are not given a platform. It's almost like he has read the paper already because you talk about uh, these shows being part and parcel of maintaining the status quo. Yes. And, and I think, I mean, that, that input in the paper came through quite strongly from my co-author, Dr. Trust Matilele, because of, of just his expertise um, in, in the economic realm. But what, what I can say is business shows um, definitely advance a particular narrative driven by the people they feature. So even if a host were to say, but I'm not capitalist, I'm not pro a yeah. particular party, by featuring certain people in a certain way, that is what is coming through in the shows. And maybe they may not be aware of it, or it could be something they are aware and they are doing it deliberately. We can't speak to that because we didn't ask it in the paper. Yes. But it is worth being mindful that that is what is going on because it has implications for how we understand economic matters. So I think I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't want to agree firmly with the, with the tweet because uh, that wasn't a conclusion we, we came to. But I would say because of the content, if we just look at what the content is saying and just look at what is featured, then definitely voices of captains of industry, voices of business are the most dominant and most preferred, and, and that is shaping the narrative. Well, Susanna, I, mean, I, I might argue that you implicitly uh, make that similar finding when you look at the issue, when you say the triple challenges we have been dealing with, yeah. uh, you know, unemployment, inequality, um, and uh, and the unemployment, and how these conversations, and one may read something, even in so far as, as an inference at least, yeah. uh, if you look at your findings and the dominant voices uh, that are there and whose interest would they stand up for, which is why I was asking that question to say, is there a difference between, you know, uh, captains of industry and small and medium business owners in terms of narrative? And, and I, I think I agree with that. What, what, what I am maybe suggesting is that in our paper, while it's implied, it's implied because of the content. Yeah. Because sometimes you can make a pronouncement and say, these shows are capitalist yeah. because you've analyzed for that by looking at um, the Marxist discourse, etc., yeah. that comes through in the paper. We haven't done that, but it is implied because discourse is obviously intricately linked to the people speaking, and the people speaking have, have that capitalist discourse so therefore then you know that that 
um, conclusion can be arrived at by the reader. But just so that when people read the paper, they yeah. don't wonder, um, you know, why there is a gap in that. You don't uh, want you don't want them to go finding something that is not there. That's always the writer's nightmare. Yes. Susanna, just yes. hold on. Let me uh, get through my line while you are still here, and I'm not accused otherwise. Jonas, good morning. Uh, Lukona. Fantastic. How are you? Fantastic yourself. I'm great. Go for it. Uh, Asanda. Sisanda. Yes, hello. Yeah, disability entrepreneurs, my sister. I got a sonsori excluder. Well, because all the shows, they don't focus. They put less effort uh, discussing uh, about disability entrepreneurs. What an array in power was what? How include disability entrepreneurs or Lerona? We are not being given the chances to to participate in building South African economy. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and how to allow check the rate of people living with disability by long disability grant. Register the companies. But no one is there for us. Mm, mm. Jonas, I thank you. That's a point well made, and I know this is something that you passionately raise from time to time. Paswa, good morning. Good morning, Lukoman and Sisanda. You know, the... Paswa, can you get closer to your mic? Yeah, my my view in this regard is um, some stations, obviously, they pay for those so-called capitalists to talk Mm. because they they pay for... um, advertising and they cannot um, uh, bring them in a very uh, interactive way because of certain economic issues. It's very true that the agenda that is set by radio station determines the relationship with those companies that they normally call there because it's uh, in kind in terms of their PR. Mm. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you very much, uh, Paswa. Let's go to Lucy. Good morning. Hi, hi, Lakona. Hi, it's a great show and you, uh, always a great show. Um, I wanted to ask your guest. Um, you know, in terms of the the ANC's uh, commitment to a national democratic revolution, and this is, you know, part of the policy framework and so on. When you were um, you know, working on your paper and uh, describing what what the um, you know what the situation is across these shows. I know you've spoken about the ideological constraints and so on now with with Lukona, but uh, do you did you bear that in mind? Um, you know, uh, comparing what these shows do against what the the ruling party's policy framework is. In other words, that it will reach the highest stage of capitalism and then revert to a form of socialism. Do you have to do that or is there no um, real uh, sort of policy comparison that, okay. that, that you were able mm-hmm. to make? Lucy, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Lastly, Temba, good morning. Lukun. How's it? Thank, thank you so much. And, and, and also, Sanda, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yes, you got right. it right. All right. I, I wanted to say, uh, first and foremost, Research papers, by their nature, they are funded. And, 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 and they are funded by people that have an interest in a particular narrative. Mm. And just like, just like those research, uh, the, the research papers that you would eventually read, these shows are also funded to run a particular narrative. Mm. 
Mm. If you watch the Queen for argument's sake, every scene has alcohol. Even when a person has just got shot, somebody is still carrying a bottle. Why? Because the narrative is alcohol, it, it can appear in every moment in your life. Uh. So it's naive to imagine that these shows could actually be uh, leaders in, in, in changing, in, in leading, in, 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 in changing society insofar as its perspective about uh, socioeconomic policy or... or, or, or okay, Temba, you know. I, th- I think that point is well made, but I'm yeah. going to give Susanna an opportunity to respond before we run out of time. Susanna, maybe declare up front, I know myself uh, as an academic, there are moments in which you write a paper nobody even funded you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Look, this, this one wasn't particularly funded, but I get Temba's point and I want to end off with it. The first thing, I, I think the first caller around disability entrepreneurs speaks exactly to why this paper needed to be written because there are voices missing. And those voices mean that certain issues around economic development are not being discussed and as a result not being attended to. So his point is really well made and I think it it, it sums up the spirit of the paper that in order to really discuss economic matters in our country, we need to bring more voices in other than the dominant business and captains of industry voices Mm. that currently um, is the case. Paid features, I agree with the, the, the caller. You need those features because that's how business, and that's how radio stations operate. They are a business, but supplement them with a counter voice. You yeah. cannot just have, um, you know, a show talking about AI and not have someone challenging that. Look, the, the question around the, the ANC's um, economic plan, I think, is a, is a probably something for a future study yeah. by someone with expertise in that. Our focus was mainly on these shows through the lens of social responsibility. But I think that is something I'll take up with my colleague, Dr. Yeah. Tuff. And then um, in terms of, of the, 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 the last comment around uh, the, the funded research, yes, that's true. Everything needs money to work. But the essence is we need to create a space where other voices are featured so that uh, we're not getting a, a one type of narrative, which is currently the case. Mm. And we don't really then understand fully what the economic challenges, but also solutions are, because we're only hearing from one segment um, of the population. I know there's one question that I missed, but I'm not sure we'll, what it we'll is. We'll probably save it for <laughs> next time, Susanna. We yes. are out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Beautifully enjoyed that conversation. Sisanda Nkwala, academic at Cape Peninsula University of Technology. And that brings to an end the Knowledge Bank. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.